0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Condition. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Scout, and the best of the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today, man?
1: Pretty good, man. Uh, can't complain. Uh, it's it's a little chilly in, in New Orleans. A, a I don't bit. want to hear
0: anything about that, man. It was minus 23 yesterday.
1: It's a little chilly for this area. I will, I'll say that. But uh, <laughs> other than that, doing pretty good, man. Uh,
0: again, uh, I'm still battling this stupid sinus infection. So if my voice sounds off, there's that also, I am dead tired. Um, and I'll give you one reason as to why I'm so tired. Devin, I attempted to care about the NFL playoffs this year and it, 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 it's, it's actually been, been rather snooze fest for me. So, um, anyways, that's not why we're here. Happy Monday to everyone new week. And, uh, this is just gonna be a nice short pod. Obviously, with me kind of battling this, I haven't been able to do a whole lot. I say this, and keep in mind, this time last year, I was—we were recording podcasts while I actually had COVID. Uh, I think I've gotten soft in the last year, Devin. Uh, <laughs> but all jokes aside, uh, I just haven't watched really any prospects. I've been. Uh, uh, passed out on the couch and watching some Master MasterChef uh, the last couple of days. But there's been some NFL news, and Devin's watched a couple of prospects. So this first section is going to be Devin talking about his prospects. And then we're going to talk about the players that uh, have made some announcements since we last talked. So, Devin, the floor is yours. For, I am letting you run this first segment of the show. And it is entirely <laughs> because I'm half asleep.
1: Yeah, so... Um... You know, it's so a player, <laughs> player we this talked about. This is an about, amazing
0: podcast already.
1: Player we've uh, talked about back and forth for probably the last week or so, uh, Fidari Mathis, uh, Alabama. Uh, we talked about him a little bit uh, before the national championship game, and then uh, he went out and had a pretty good game and kind of confirmed priors on him. But I actually sat down and watched him, uh, and it took me a couple of days to actually get through it because, I mean, it's hard to watch Alabama defense and, and not just sit there and watch Will Anderson. You know, he's dude is insane. Uh, he beats like guards and tackles to getting to the, like even a hand on him. He's like making plays in the backfield. And it's like, how can you get through Alabama's defense without getting your eyes on, on Will Anderson or uh, you know what the linebackers are doing Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa. There's so many talented players on Alabama's defense. But I got through uh, Fidarian Mathis's uh, film. Dude is extremely agile for 320. Like he he has uh, a very interesting toolbox. Like you see him the way like disengages from blocks. You see him use a swim move, use a club and rip, um, use uh, even some bend. I mean, there's a few plays where he's bending around the corner beating guards and tackles so he has uh, a versatile skill set and and moves very well for his size um, and a lot of people talk about Jordan Davis and, and right so Jordan Davis is is an extreme talent but you know if, if a team is picking for Darian Mathis second round like mid second round you, you're going to get very good value out of them I, I think he's he can be a top 50 pick in this this class and at, at the very least be a top 64 pick go with, within the first two rounds. And I think it's because you can use him uh, in a versatile manner in a four, three uh, set. I think he will be best suited uh, being a one gapper playing a uh, three technique, one technique, kind of uh, a versatile uh, mix between the two, but dude, he can, he can get upfield in a hurry and, and cause a lot of disruption uh, and then we saw a lot of plays were made from Will Anderson and, and some of those other uh, edge rushers and uh, second level players, but because he was, you know, clogging up uh, running lanes, you know, the running backs would spill out to the linebackers or the safeties coming in the box. So he, the thing about him is that I think his his value is getting a little bit overlooked because of Jordan Davis. Everyone just thinks it's just Jordan, Jordan Davis and there's really no other interior defensive lineman worth looking at, but, Mathis, he, he's he should be worth the 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 look for sure, and, and I think he's gonna have a big week down at the Senior Bowl. Like I think he's gonna show, especially in one on ones. I think he's really gonna make a lot a lot more money than he would have uh, just based on this film, and, and teams will get a up uh, you know a, a closer look at what he's able to do, and I think they'll come away impressed. So uh, not gonna give away the grade on Federi Mathis, but he did get. A uh, top three round grade from me, um, and and like I said, I think he should be uh, a top fifty pick in in this draft. Because I, I think when you consider kind of his valuableness uh, in in terms of position value, uh, what he brings to a scheme, and and I also think he he could he can fit in a three four scheme. I just think four three is a better fit for him in general. Uh, I just don't see him as the the type to play straight nose tackle and and be able to withstand multiple double teams. One of the knocks I had on him. It's not that he can't beat double teams. I just want to see more consistency and using his hands to beat it. Cause he can, he's shown the ability to like drop the knee and, and split double teams, but I want to see him do a better job taking them on uh, when they're, you know, coming from different angles and whatnot. So I think he can get better in, in terms of that. And, and continuing to use his power to win. But overall, I was very impressed with this game.
0: Yeah, I watched a little bit of him while I've been while I've been out. And I came up with a lot of the same impressions. I think was it the Texas A&M game where he just like put the right tackle in a blender? Yeah. That was fantastic. That was that was that was that was that was great shit. I'm sorry. Uh, that was, <laughs> you can tell the brain is just not working for me tonight. Uh, but no, like everything you just said absolutely 100% agree um I think he's really good I came away actually a little bit more impressed I I know what your grade is I came away a little higher on him than than you did uh but now this is this may not be a one a one man show at defensive tackle I think DeMarvin Leal will have his fans will have his detractors I think Fiderian Mathis is going to be good. I think Devontae White is going to be good. There you go, boss. man. you can't fire me this week. Uh, You know what? I'm a lot more excited about this defensive tackle class now than I was two months ago when C.J. Brewer was inside my top five.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, not being able to watch SEC guys, you know, during the season, not really focusing on it, you kind of – kind of overlook some of these names, but I mean, even on Alabama's defense, like we said, Mathis has been uh very, very I, like I've, I've heard very little talk on, on his name and just in what he brings to the table. And, you know, I just think that's generally what happens in defensive tackle classes. You know, you, you get the big name ones, the ones that are playing for, you know, the national championship or, or on the big team of the best defense but then, you know, you, you look at Alabama, somehow he's he's gone under the radar. And I just don't know how that happened. Like, I, honestly, like three months ago, I would not have been able to tell you anything about Federer Mathis. But right. Actually, like I, yeah. But actually, you, like getting able to to watch him and see what he does and you, you watch the games it's like, oh, wow, he's making a, another play. You know, he's forcing the quarterback to move outside of the pocket. So he he, he brings that pass rush outside that a lot of people aren't seeing with Jordan Davis in terms and, of flashes. And he didn't
0: have that last year. He yeah. was purely a run stuffer. He so, I mean, he, he's he's a step ahead in his development, man. I think that this is someone that, that kind of I mentioned on the last podcast, the Jerron Reed type where you're like, oh, holy shit, didn't know he had that in him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much came out of nowhere. Um, but, you know, it goes to show you Alabama's coaching is elite, man. Uh, you take a run stuffing defensive tackle and make him have some value in, in the pass rush ability. Like I said, uh, you're going to see down at the senior bowl, he's going to be taking dude's lunch money and he's going to be using all types of moves to do it, too, because he's, he's not like a one trick pony. Like he, he wins in a variety of ways. And I think that was the most impressive part for me, uh, you know, doing the evaluation. It's not just that, you know, he wins, with just a simple swim move or he doesn't even rely on spin moves. And I feel like if he used that, like he would literally be unstoppable.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, Devin, I did watch two other players where I didn't – one, I haven't written the scouting report yet, and the other, I'm not responsible for his scouting report. So which one would you like to hear first?
1: Not responsible for his scouting report.
0: All right, I watched Kenneth Walker. Uh, <laughs> there is some competition for, with Isaiah Spiller for RB1. He's not, but he's close. He's really close. I liked, oh God, I watched Northwestern where he just absolutely ripped that atrocious defense to shreds. I watched um, the Nebraska game where he ripped their defense to shreds. And then I watched uh, Ohio State where he got absolutely nothing. So I got a good mix of that. Do I think he's necessarily a burner? No. No. You know who he kind of reminds me of a bit, Devin? He reminds me a little bit of Cadillac Williams. That's right. I'm going throwback comp for this one. Too often, I am a big proponent of not reusing the same comps that we see every year, where, like, we, as a draft community, we only talk about players that were drafted 2019 and later. Um, I will go back and try to find more suitable uh, comps and i think that cadillac williams is actually one he was able to rip off chunk plays both at auburn and a little bit in the pros with tampa but he was never really a burner the one area where i think isaiah spiller has quite a bit of room on kenneth walker is their ability in the pass game kenneth walker is purely just a hand the ball off type running back even Brees hall got more work in the passing game than than kenneth walker did Uh, whereas like Isaiah Spiller has hit 20 catches every single year and hit, uh, hit 29 catches this year. Kenneth Walker's career high in catches is I think 11. So it's there. It's just not prevalent. Uh, but no, I think he's, I think he's really good. This is a, a top 40, top 45 pick in my mind. In, in, in my opinion, the other one, the one that I'm going to have to write a scouting report on Devin, Kevin Harris, the running back out of South Carolina. Are you sensing a theme? I've watched a lot of running backs lately. Everything, everything that I said about uh, Isaiah Spiller on uh, the last podcast, Devin, the exact opposite with uh, with Kevin Harris. I was so disappointed. I wanted to like Kevin Harris going into the season so much. But I'll tell you, at like 5'9", 225, the dude has negative juice. He, he doesn't just have zero juice. He's got negative juice. I'm wondering if he's going to be in that Elijah Holyfield 40 range of like Oof. four seven four seven five.
1: 5". That's rough.
0: And there's not a lot of, uh, uh, of lateral ability. He's not much in the passing game. <laughs> He's not much of a of a pass blocker. Whoo, Nelly? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a bit of a rough watch with him. Um, I don't know what he does at the next level. I don't. He's a very very weird uh, evaluation man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, like... I mean, I I mentioned like Mike Kennedy Brooks one is up is up on Blue Chip Scouting. And Kennedy Brooks is not exactly much of a burner and not a great – like, not very well-rounded, but, like, Kennedy Brooks is still quite advanced when it comes to – in comparison to to Kevin Harris. I don't know how you get him on the field unless he's going to be, like, a short yardage back. I mean – And that's a very limited role.
1: That's basically a fullback. (laughs) Pretty pretty much. Much. At at this level, you got to be able to do a little bit of everything because if you – we're, they know is going to be coming if, if you come in the game and you add nothing to, you know, the the pass game or uh, you add nothing in, in pass blocking. So that that's going to be a tough one because I know uh, his name was been mentioned a bunch like over the summer and, and based on what happened last year and how he looked. So it's here and that, I mean, that's not encouraging at all. Um, and we'll see if I get to him. Uh, running backs has been... Kind of low on my list. I've I've done... I think I've done two sky reports for running backs. I think Devin's trying to say
0: that that running backs don't matter.
1: Listen, I'm not going to say that. I do think versatile running backs matter.
0: Dude, I have watched so many running backs.
1: I have not watched many. I mean, I've seen snippets of... I've watched
0: the the best ones in the Big 12. I still have to watch... uh, uh, To do Letty Brown from West Virginia. I still have to do his final. But, like... I, I, I've watched them, and then of the ones I've done of the, in the SEC, most of them have been running backs. Yeah,
1: it makes sense. But yeah. I think
0: running back is uh, – yeah, and I've done – yeah, I've done like the, th- the three biggest in the Big 12. I've done like three of the best ones in the SEC. Uh, in terms of total running backs from which I've watched so far this year, I'm at 17.
1: I have not quite watched that many maybe three or four, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if I get to him. A uh, few of the players I've been kind of bouncing, I've been kind of bouncing around a little bit and watching a game here and there of certain guys to uh, kind of get a baseline. Uh, Watch one game of Carson strong, obviously the Fresno state game. I've seen people post that insane throw he made in between three defenders uh, quite a few times now. Um, but that, that was a, that was a throw of the game, man. Uh, and and it was like, considering the, the time in which it happened and the situation, I mean, they were down by eight and it was like 40 seconds left and he throws the most ridiculous pass I've seen in this, this draft cycle where defense is playing like some sort of, some version of Tampa two. As a linebacker dropping from the opposite side, he he hits. I think his dubs on a, a seam route. The safety is right there. The corner is in trail position, and he somehow fits in the smallest of windows. So that was like you know the thing that stood out to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean the the lack of mobility is there obviously. You know, seeing. And, and this was the part of the season like he he got pretty dinged up in his knee so his knee was obviously not healthy so you know when he was chased out of the pocket you could see a little rough hobbling you know didn't look exactly as fluid but he still managed to get through the entire game without missing a missing a snap um the pocket awareness is, is there and i think what impressed me about that game was that Fresno state made it a uh, priority for him to take the checkdowns and take the short routes and take the underneath patterns. And then, you know, obviously as a game wore on, he take he would take his shots deep. I think that part of, uh, you know, evaluating a quarterback, I think is underrated because we see guys like Matt Corral, we see guys like Malik Willis um, and, you know, Sam Howell, like all their offenses are like generated shot plays like they all have generated like deep passes etc where it's just designed that they're going to do it. Well Carson Strong like he actually in his offense allows him to do this but he actually is going through progressions and he's actually doing it in a more calculated way, more NFL level way I would say and it's not manufactured, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm going to probably take my time with this evaluation, but I do think that he's going to be preferred by certain teams, obviously. And I think those more playoff echelon teams that are always kind of in contention, I think, are going to be more attractive, like he's going to be a more attractive player to plug in an offense and just go, as opposed to changing entire offense for a Malik Willis or trying to figure out how exactly you're going to use someone like a Matt Corral and how is he going to operate an offense, and then obviously Sam Howe, same way. So I, I think this, this is going to be interesting and, and the conversation is obviously going to continue over the next few months. But uh, that was a, the big observation I had with with Carson Strong. And it's, it's not necessarily that. I, and I'm, I'm not going to say he has the, the highest ceiling because I don't think he has the high, highest ceiling in this class. I do think he offers you the more down to down consistency. Like he's not missing routine passes like he's not missing timing patterns. You know, he's he's not missing the throws he misses are because either, you know, he's trying to do too much and trying to make something out of nothing, or it's just drops. A drop's played a big part. Like Romeo Dub still has a drop issue. Cole Turner has some of it, a drop issue as well. And both of those guys are all three of them are senior bowl guys. And I expect them to all to do well down there. But I think he's going to keep you more on schedule as an offense. Like you're not, you're not going to be behind the sticks as much, but you will be having, there will might be an issue where he's might hold on the ball a little bit longer than you would like, like a Justin field issue fields issue, where the internal timer sometimes needs to to speed up. And obviously that's going to do be able to do that with more reps. But I also do think that, you know, the lack of mobility is going to hurt him in some scenarios. Like, you know, you're not going to see as much play action boot with him because he just, I don't think he's going to be fast enough to get to the edge. We're not going to see a lot of uh, moving the pocket with him. And if you do, it's very quick. You know, it's quick one, two, look backside three, throw it out of bounds. So there's going to be some limitations with him in terms of how you open the offense to him. But I do think you're going to get someone that's going to be consistent from down to down and someone that I think if you throw him in, throw him in as a rookie, I think he'll do okay.
0: I'm glad you're enjoying having to watch your quarterbacks uh, or your quarterback in the conference because I, I have three quarterbacks between my two conferences that I have to get done in. Uh, And they're, they're Brock Purdy, Chase Bryce, and Levi Lewis. That's a whole lot of UDFA.
1: Well, Levi Lewis threw a pick six yesterday, so...
0: In the hula pool?
1: Yep. Yeah. So there's it.
0: Do I even bother? Do I? I think I do. I'm a big fan of schadenfreude, so... Uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, oh geez. That's, that's rough. I mean, outside of. By the um, way, I
0: just I would like to say, I, since that you know we're recording this at almost seven o'clock on Sunday night, Monday is the declaration deadline. I'm going through and taking out some of the players that I just straight up don't anticipate hearing from in the next twenty four hours, which means that the Sun Belt is down to ten players. Oh wow, ten. That Carlton Marshall's is... returning to Troy. Returning to Troy, I fully expect Javon Solomon to return to Troy. Um, big deflate, and then of course, like there's some guys in the Big Twelve, like Siaki Ika, the um, shirt, sophomore nose tackle from Baylor, who had a fantastic uh, <laughs> season where he was racking up sacks at 360 pounds and playing nose tackle and impacting you know, the sugar bowl. He, he I haven't heard anything from him. Uh, D winters hasn't been active on social media since uh, November. Roshan Johnson's probably returning to Texas. Like I can take some of these names off, which means you can expect some more sec content from me as I, can pretty, like, I think I'm going to be down to probably around 30 or 35 reports for the Big 12. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and then Devin and I, are, speaking of declarations, Devin and I are going to talk about some some draft decisions on the other side of this break. I want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys, and thanks to Jersey House, you don't have to anymore. Jersey House has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to JerseyHouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15% off. And we're back. So, Devin, it's Declaration Day today. And, of course, like I said, we're recording this at around 7 o'clock on Sunday night. There have been some decisions that have come out in the last couple of days, mostly with Georgia and Alabama. So, Devin, where do you want to start? We can go. It doesn't have to just be Georgia and Bama. I have the full... Uh, tracker from Sports Illustrated up in front of me so we can go anything basically from about Monday on
1: <laughs> yeah I think the the two biggest one for Bama was uh, Henry Toa Toa and Jordan Battle both returning uh, they both probably would have been top two three round picks if they I think if they went into the draft this year I had uh,
0: seconds on both of them like you know not confirmed seconds but you know preliminary seconds
1: well i started watching battle before right before he uh declared and then i mean decided to go back and then then obviously he went back so i stopped watching him but a little from what i've seen i mean he he looked pretty impressive on the back end i think you know at, at the very least he he's a third round safety uh in this draft class and and starting to uh you know make his headway but um that was not the case. Uh, Henry Toto, same thing. Uh, he saved Bama a lot of time on defense because uh, Christian Harris will be in the wrong uh, gap or, or just not in the wrong, right place. And he will make up for some of those deficiencies. But he also missed some tackles in the open field as well, uh, especially in that Florida game. So I think it makes sense somewhat for both of them. because I think they both uh, honestly want to go get near that first round range and, and area. And uh, obviously they want to improve their, their stock. So I, I don't blame for going back and, and they want to win a championship. So uh, Bama definitely is, is going to be reloading really a few more guys also went back to Bama as well. So uh, it's, it's very clear. They want to reload and win a championship. Yeah.
0: Mila Kior and Cameron Latu were the other two that decided to go back. Uh, Cameron Harris uh, announced that he was going to declare from draft about an hour before we started recording this podcast. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, Georgia pretty much lost everyone except Chris Smith and Tyke Smith, which that doesn't surprise me. Both of them, I think, could really make an impact in next year's draft class. Tyke Smith missed most of this year with injury, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But like I said, not just guys in uh, at those two schools, some of these guys that, that went back. Uh, really stuck it out to the last minute, one being Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa. I was actually very excited. I sat down, I watched four games of Iowa's offense and I was like, yeah, great. Just what this off, just what this tight end class needs something in that, in that kind of third, fourth round. With some high upside, a great developmental you know, you know, a tight end and not the type of developmental tight end that we usually get told about, which is whichever Ohio State player is playing tight end that year. That's what the media normally tells us is a is a developmental tight end. And sure enough, like two days later, he, he announces he's going back to school. So that was um, a couple of hours of my life. I'll never get back. Uh could have been better spent doing something else. That was that was re- I felt really dumb when that happened, Devin. Uh also Zach Charbonnet, the former Michigan running back, turned to UCLA running back. I thought that he was a lock to declare, man. He's like 23 already. Him and him and DTR man. Him and DTR. I, I tells you, Devin. I tells you national type. You should have seen UCLA Twitter.
1: Oh, I saw it. <laughs> I saw a lot of embarrassing.
0: Embarrassing.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not a I don't want to say I'm not excited, but we've seen this movie, man. Like it's time. Like we've been talking y'all, about DTR. Y'all are
0: in your mid y'all are in your mid 20s now. Like
1: we've we've talked about DTR already. We know, like, I've been summer
0: 2019.
1: Been on him since then, said, okay, he needs to do this, this, and this to get better. He's done none of it. He's not changed at one bit. He's still a very volatile college quarterback. To me, he kind of reminds me of Felipe Franks, I think, in, not, in terms oh. of si- in term, not in terms of size, but the, just the way he plays. Like, he will show you flashes of, okay, maybe there's something there. And then he just makes crazy interceptions, crazy fumbles. I will say he's gotten a lot better in terms of turnover volume over the last couple of years, but he's still not there in terms of being an NFL quarterback.
0: There was a uh, Oklahoma State defensive tackle that declared for the draft. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, Devin. It's my conference. I didn't know who he was. And when I looked him up, he had seven tackles on the season. Yikes. I mean, he had three sacks, but he had seven tackles. Low value. Yeah, not sure I understand that one. Um, Who else made uh, – there was another one that I, that I was just thinking of a second ago, and now I can't remember. Keanu Benton uh, announced he was going back. Ooh, ooh, uh, the, office, the interior offensive line class. We got, two, well, three big ones. Biggest one being Tyler Linderbaum. If he had gone back, I would have been made of sadness, Devin. Like Everyone would have. Everyone would have. Because, like, we've seen this happen before where guys like that we're excited about at the center position go back an extra year and it's... Uh, and you do really... free? No, I, I was going to say uh, the one before that, Tyler Biotish.
1: Oh, yeah, that too. You remember, he, do you remember Tyler
0: Biotish's, like, Superstar redshirt sophomore year where everyone was like, "Yo, draft him in round one." Don't care. And he then he went back win. to Wisconsin, and then he was like a fourth round pick. Yeah. But like, if if that had happened with like Tyler Linderbaum, I would have been very sad if he had decided to go back. But then, you see um,
1: that that would have happened to Caesar Ruiz. Yeah. Because he had such a good, was a redshirt sophomore or junior? Uh, junior, one of those. He had such a good. Uh, season that year if he went back I don't know if he would have replicated it so yeah the center position when when the iron's hot you gotta strike it
0: and then the guard position got uh Andrew Stoiber from Michigan part of that Joe Moore award uh, award award-winning offensive line at uh at Michigan and then Chasen Hines in your neck of the woods in LSU tell me about him I've I've heard things about him
1: who, who was that again?
0: Jason Hines, the LSU guard. Uh, That's well, telling.
1: Yeah, telling. Well, look, <laughs> Ed Ingram was as easily the best offensive lineman on LSU's offensive line. Um, I don't want to say I don't say he's bad. I think he can be a late rounder. Uh, in I don't want to say he's bad, but I think there is some development that needs to happen there. Uh, just not consistent on a down-and-down down basis. Uh, hand placement issues. You um, got, got to be a pretty pretty good Alabama game. So that was really the only game that I, I, I've seen of them up close because uh, I'm, I'm mainly watching skill guys uh, when I watch LSU games. But LSU offensive line was rough this year, and, and he, he did not help. I'll just say that.
0: Fun. All right, so way to just you know ran on my parade. I was excited that there was more more interior of it the blind guys. But I guess uh, I, I I guess you can only do so much with that. Um, and then we got we got some guys that went back that were a little surprising. Obviously, once we mentioned Jordan Battle, uh, we forgot to mention this before. But uh, Travius Hodges, Toblinson, Blue Chip Brand guy, Supreme. Uh, listen. His season was very up and down teams targeted him with big receivers for jump ball situations. And he's only five foot eight. So there was only so much he could do. The one that surprised me though, in the secondary that went back to school though, more so than Jordan battle was Damani Richardson out of Texas A&M. I thought for sure he was going to declare. And I was actually like starting to gear up. I'm like, I just need to find some Texas A&M defensive all 22, man. I need to get that so that I can watch the Monte Richardson. Now I don't have to. Yep.
1: Also, also,
0: also, Devin, my personal favorite prospect in this class declared for this draft. I had no idea who he was until he declared, but it's Pittsburgh defensive back John Patrician. And why am I a big fan of Pittsburgh defensive back John Patrician? He was born in 1996. Wow. He is the recruiting class of 2015.
1: So you're up there. I graduated high school.
0: I graduated in 2013.
1: So, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> old prospect.
0: He's going to be 26 by draft day. I looked it up. His birthday comes before the draft. He will be a 26 year old draft prospect.
1: Wow. That's that's something, man. That's that something, something you
0: normally see. at punter.
1: Years and years of eligibility, man. How many it years was, is that? Is that what uh 7 it was, 8
0: If he, it, he w- would have been his, so he had two medical red shirts. Okay. Uh then COVID and then his you know so he would have gone back for his seventh year 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 no sorry it would have been his eighth
1: i mean i'm saying that as if i don't have scott patching who was a seventh year player uh for colorado state so he entered college at in 2015 i mean chase
0: bryce is still technically on my list and i'm pretty sure he started at, at at clemson in 2013 no way no, I'm being That's sarcastic. I was about to say, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> no, 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 uh, But I'm pretty sure he was at least taking visits at Clemson when, when Taj Boyd was quarterback there. That's scary. That is, that, there's a throwback name. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we we wanted to make sure there was a Monday podcast. There hadn't been a lot on our end, but we figured that with the declaration deadline, and we will talk more about this uh on the Friday podcast. But anything you want to say before we get on out of here, Devin?
1: Nah, a um, couple weeks from the Senior Bowl, so uh, kind of excited for that, the Garrett Shrine Bowl as well. So we're going to get uh, the two big all-star games here in a few weeks. And uh, some guys are going to either get on people's radar or or kind of shoot a draft board, so I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. And, of course, I always love this time because – you have all those players on your list and then they don't declare for the draft. So you, you, you feel a little bit better because you can just cross those names off. And it feels like you're, you're that much closer to finishing in the, in the class and you never get there.
1: That is true. You were still watching new dudes three days before the draft.
0: <laughs> Devin, I swear. Every year, my goal is 300, and then I get to about 285, and I just want to throw the towel in it and stop. Yeah, anyways, that's going to do it for today's pod. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. I almost forgot for a second, I'm not going to lie. You can find the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Leave a review on the podcast. I've never said that before, but I noticed that we're actually getting more reviews. Help us actually climb the evil iTunes algorithm. And until next time, guys, have a nice day. If you want to show your favorite podcast some love, may I suggest heading over to bluechipscouting.com and clicking on the merchandise tab and checking out the catalog of shirts, sweaters, stickers, and other gear available to you.